Welcome to Track to the Future, an Array Technologies podcast and your source for insight into utility-scale PV tracking innovation. We'll be discussing thoughtful engineering, plant reliability and performance, and new developments in solar tracking. Join us for industry trends, expert opinions, and more, lighting the way to a brighter, smarter future. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Track to the Future, a podcast from Array Technologies. In today's episode, the second of two on this topic, Rena and Array Technologies will be discussing the importance of analyzing the lifetime costs of trackers in modern utility-scale PV power plant projects. We'll be taking a closer look at Rena's independent case study and its impact to PV plant stakeholders. Our episode today includes guests from Rena Consulting and, of course, Array Technologies, and we want to jump right in to discussing the importance for stakeholders to understand the impact of tracker lifetime costs to the success of a PV plant. So, Lucas, um, we have the, the results of the, the engineering report that, that Rena produced about uh, tracker lifetime assessment and the, the methodology there. Uh, with this report, uh, there's a, a case study that was was produced with the the, uh, the research. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit about the the, uh, the case study comparing tracker architectures and um, and kind of what the what what the methodology was in that and, and what the results were. Yeah, no, it's absolutely. Travis. So uh, a case study was done using a location in Southern California. Um, we were looking for a, you know, a, there was a need for kind of a, a representative site. So a 100 megawatt site was chosen with a call it a rough tra tracker capital expenditure of about 12 million US dollars was assumed. Site was assumed to have you know a little under 2000 um, kilowatt hours of uh, radiation and, and, and assuming a PPA rate of around five cents US dollars per kilowatt hour. So as the report does, the two tracker architectures, centralized and decentralized, were compared. The centralized architecture would be featuring, you know, the arrays Dura track architecture, and if you, and then the the decentralized tracker B architecture is what is compared to. And, and you can you can highlight immediately for some of the report of of what's what's shown there. And I'll kind of give you some details between tracker A and B. You look down the list, you know, a really good research that uh, Gallo and T did to really understand what the mean lifetime of the various components of those systems were. And that's critical here because it, it spells to, or, or speaks to, excuse me, what you're gonna experience with respect to failures or downtime of those, those tracker architectures. You, you take that knowledge set and you compare it with a number or quantity of those types of components on, on the site or those, that representative site, and, and it speaks volumes, right? Let's consider, you know, some of the more sensitive components of the two architectures, the drivetrain, you know, the motor, any driving gears, the controllers, the uh, any power supplies or batteries, any, any things required, any components required for active stowing. And here's where it kind of gets interesting. You look at the tracker A architecture and you drive into the number of motors and controllers on site. It's about 114 for that 100 megawatt site. You look over at Tracker B's architecture, that those same type of components, 3,419 components. That should be a, a really large blinking light for anybody looking at those architectures that says, the more sensitive components, if I increase the number of those on the site, my opportunities for downtime and failure go up with them 
you know, at, at, uh, at a pretty large rate, particularly when you consider with the with the research that shows motors and controllers and, and batteries and power supplies at max in most cases have around a, a 17, not quite an 18 year mean lifetime and less in cases of the battery and other more sensitive components. Those quantities goes up. It's, it's a really big hit to the uh, operating expenses for those trackers for the for the lifetime. So those are some things that stick out right away as you compare those two architectures and, and should be a what I would consider an eye-opening opportunity for the customer base to really see what it means to have a centralized, reduced number of Sentinel components tracking system as the Array DuraTrack brand provides versus decentralized components where there's motors, electronics, and gears at every row. So the opportunities for failures just keep going up and up. Uh, and I think if you step back from that, kind of look at the key takeaways. So the, the centralized system showed out on top is 42% lower operating expense. So those reductions on sensors of components, thus the reduction in downtime means less truck rolls to the site, less expense the uh, the operator, the owner is gonna see in the lifetime of that product. About a, a 20.21% higher energy output, 7.3% lower tracker lifetime cost, the cost of that asset over the lifetime, a little more of a 3% higher net present value so those making decisions on whether or not to invest in that product or that site really speaks to them and about 1.2% lower cost of ownership or levelized cost of energy, excuse me, for that particular site. So you look at the restore, you look at the comparison study, you look at the case study there, and it really shows the benefits that centralized architecture brings out and how it operates versus the, uh, the decentralized architecture. Yeah, the, the, uh, not being a mathematician myself, the, uh, the 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 math seems very common sense. The the more components you have in a decentralized architecture, the more opportunities that you have for for failure. With the array centralized right. architecture, you have exponentially less numbers of of components, exponentially less numbers uh, of of uh, chances of of failures, and much much higher uptime and and reliability as as a result of that. Lucas, one thing you said is just, you know, it, it's it's almost mind-blowing that Array's centralized tracker offers 7%, over 7% lower lifetime costs than the, the competing decentralized architecture. How did, um, how did you derive that in the, in the case study? You, you got to look at kind of the, the, the pieces and parts that come together there. So you look at the, the actual operating expense, you look at the number of maintenance touch points that's going to happen, and you look at what those cost over the life of that product. And if you roll those all in together, it kind of really shows how that difference in the true lifetime cost difference is over that 30-year lifetime. And that's really what it, it means. Those first couple of years after installation, is, it's really no, no major change. But you look as that starts to extrapolate out over the lifetime of that product is where those cost deltas start to emerge. The amount of truck rolls, the amount of operator visits, the amount of maintenance points are going to happen on the decentralized due to those sensitive components that are going to be there, that are going to have failure points. The tracker A, the array tracker, just simply doesn't have nearly as many of those. And thus, that reduction of overall cost that the owner operator is going to see while they maintain that asset. And Gallo, was there anything you found surprising during your 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 research into uh, uh, both this uh, this case study as well as the the overall report and when creating the PV tracks tool? Um, um, okay, I would say that um, probably the bearing and dampers um, is something that we didn't expect to 
contribute so high in cost, um, especially at the end of the lifetime. But um, the thing is that the model assumes, um, because those components could be um, um, left faulty and the, and the system would be operating. But the, the, the model um, considers and assumes that uh, every year, any faulty component is going to be replaced as part of the OM um, corrective works. So probably those, uh, and this is something that we we may, um, when, when doing an, a real project analysis assessment, is something that we may consider um, to to rethink about, which is how how the OM is going to be approaching this. Yeah, so. Uh, probably they will just leave those uh, unless that you have like a, a critical um, impact on the operation of the tracker. But if you have a damper which is not 100% healthy or a bearing which is slightly cracking, probably they will be monitoring those as part of preventive activities and see how how the consumption of motor increase or and then when when it comes to a critical status then doing the replacement and then if this is what has happened i think and we are aware of that many uh, o&m contractors do these kind of things to minimize to reduce cost they don't follow like a good good practice which is what we have followed in our methodology um and if, if we apply this o&m practice uh, on top of of the tool then probably the those components will not uh, show so uh, weight that, that the weight that we are seeing especially when when doing an assessment of 30 years uh, which is a lifetime that people is trying to achieve now uh, because they, they we, we we are closer to the lifetime uh, of, of those components um yeah that this is one of one of the surprising ones that we they were like quite there <laughs> no one Look at them much, maybe dampers, yes, but bearing, uh, spe especially, uh, they were like, okay, this is gonna be lasting and not. But the reason is that we have so many bearing components, the number of components, the quantity is so high that when they, when we reach to the lifetime, it could be a, a cost um, impact to the project. Yeah, the dampers are because they are in the um, potential cost item. However, their subtle structure of the tracker and the long-term ability of the, the tracker. We've, we've seen, we've seen previous track technologies that either don't use dampers or don't, uh, uh, don't use dampers effectively. And a lot of times it can really, the, 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 the tracker in a, um, in a difficult position during severe weather, especially around, around wind. And we've seen some, some catastrophic failures that can sometimes point back to the, uh, uh, the, the lack of dampers or, or effective use of dampers. One of the other things that really jumped out to me in the in the study was just how much batteries affect the long-term cost of ownership of of projects. Batteries are a um, uh, I think any of us that have have worked in any type of of technology, whether it be very high tech or or low tech, down to our kids' toys, uh, have felt the uh, uh, the 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 pain of having to uh, replace batteries and and, and battery failures. On, on the decentralized architecture where there's a motor and, and batteries on every single row, 
you're just you're getting thousands of of potentially unreliable batteries out in out in a field that can really drive O and M costs that can really drive drive truck rolls and being able to eliminate the usage of of batteries with the Ray Technology centralized architecture really goes a long ways in in uh, in lowering overall overall costs on the on the site. Um, what about you, Lucas? Anything that 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 stood out to you from a from a surprise standpoint in in going through Gallo and and Rena's research? Well, Travis, I'd have to concur with you on the, the batteries and those power supplies. And the effect gets compounded beyond just the, you know, the cost of those things wear out. It's when those, those components are part of the critical mission chain of ensuring that asset stays safe in those severe weather events, you know, be it wind or, or hail or other. When, when your ability to handle the wind is resultant onto a, an electronic component and that component fails, you're left completely exposed. And certainly the array architecture doesn't suffer from those vulnerabilities. So when I saw that, it really was a, you know, a, called an echoing point of something we thought we'd always understood all along, but uh, hearing it from a very independent party come to that same conclusion, I thought was very powerful and, uh, and demonstrates why it's very critical to make the right decision for uh, when you're choosing a tracker for your product, for your, for your project. So, so Gallo, um, how have you and, and Rena, uh, how's the, the industry responded to this, this research such, uh, thus far? Are you getting good feedback? Are you getting interesting, uh, interesting questions? How's, uh, how's the acceptance been and, and what, uh, what's been the feedback? Um, I have to say that, you know, the, we, um, PV tracks can be downloaded from our website that we we um we have seen like uh, near 200 downloads which is a a good number um from a very wide variety of um stakeholders and developers lenders owners consultants suppliers of modules inverters trackers of course um and we we have been uh, asked by some um developers uh, to explain a little bit how this tool works so the people is i think we didn't have like a massive interaction yet but people is trying to use it or, or at least uh, intending to use it to to do some numbers internally to see how how this can can help you need to to spend some time because you have to go through the methodology which is a very solid <laughs> document um but i think that those who knows the importance of this kind of assessment and who love this sector will probably be digesting this. We have uh, offered one, one, one service related to this, um, this uh, assessment to one, one client only uh, from now, from the, the, the release of the, of the tool. Uh, but we expect to, to receive some more requests and, and and we're happy to to help on on doing an independent assessment for, for projects yeah and i know from a ray technology side where uh we, we've we've spent quite a bit of time with many of our customers um teaching them how to to utilize the tool uh working together with them to do some some sp site specific comparisons on um on a ray technology centralized tech, uh, tracker architecture versus the decentralized architecture. It's something that we feel very comfortable using with, with our customers because it is a uh, um, an independent tool and there are variables that uh, 
that, that, that can be changed to uh, really um, customize for a, a specific project. So Gallo, where you mentioned this is a an online tool that can be downloaded. Um, what's the best way for uh, uh, for for industry uh, stakeholders out there to to get access to this research and and the tool? What's the uh, uh, best way online? Uh, um, I mentioned you can also obviously contact uh, either Reno or Array Technologies directly, and and we can point you in the right direction. But what's the what's the best way to people for people to get access to it? Um. The, the best way is through the website, uh, which is vvtracks.rena.org. And if you go to the contact uh, section, um, you can fill um, a form and then download directly the, the documents. You can have direct access to the tool, um, methodology, and case study. But you can also um, contact us um, if you want to, to assess any specific project. So I would say that uh, because we we would like we we want to have like track records of who is uh, using the tool, the 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 channel to access to this uh, tool is via the website. So the um, case study it's yes it's a sample of study on a hypothetical location under specific cost assumption or name assumption capex yield assumptions. And, and other inputs um, selected and agreed for, for this project. So every project has some individual. And the good thing of this, uh, and, and the reason why we say this is a, an independent tool, is because you can uh, mostly everything is in the input section, even even the, even the lifetime assumption. So we have um, done a research and defined a lifetime assumption for. Um, technologies. It's not like a supplier or, or uh, architecture base um, only. I mean, it's not supplier uh, base. Lifetime values is technology, really. So we have electronics, we have um, type of motors, uh, type of transmission system. So it's like um, per, per technology basis. But if, for instance, you have than um, any specific, and this is for like overall average um, common single axis tracker that we see in the market, assuming good industry best practice. So if, if someone comes and say, no, we have invented something different, our product is completely different, and, we, and this is the supporting documentation that tells you that this uh, battery is going to last 100 years, <laughs> for example, uh, it could be change because the, the tool has everything is uh, in the input side behind the, the engine is just statistics calculation um, to model the lifetime costs and and of course there's a, a lot of uh, programming down there because we we implement impacts on because of downtime and there's a there's a agile modeling as well of uh, when when the when the tracker is not tracking properly, but uh, is really like um, it's an engine really, which is gonna be always there and fixed. But cost, if there is any commercial agreement that you you, you reach like a lower cost, um, that that's something that you can and it's gonna change. Cost is gonna change with time. So this is a tool which is gonna be able to adapt to 
with time and, and location. And yield is something which is going to change depending on, on the location. If you have a super special algorithm for tracking, you can input that value there. Um, so that the thing is, even financial is also impacting, especially on the net present value. Net present value is going to be really impacting with the with the discount rate. So <clears throat> and cost of course on, on part cost assumptions. So this is a tool which is good for for and, and we, we we think that people should be using this for internal assessment so they know where the where the numbers are uh, once they because they the, the owners especially they know the cost they know capex which capex is this tracker giving to me which capex is this another supplier giving to me I put this number here from I do the include the yields include the cost get the numbers and then depending on the numbers they will probably use those figures to discuss with the suppliers on, on in the end because in the end it, although this is a an opex um, study really um owners are <laughs> normally uh, the main uh, uh, the main uh, thing that they have in mind is capex which capex which is what they're going to spend now but of course they need to know what's going to spend during the lifetime so they they can compensate uh, additional OPEX if, if if have a good commercial capex uh, agreement. So in the end, is a matter of um, more visibility for the owner, but should be used properly and with by people who know about what they're doing in, in order to for, for the inputs to be properly uh, set up for individual projects. Yeah, the beauty of the of the the tool is that it's both dynamic and and customizable for uh, for specific projects. And, and Gallo, um, what was your methodology to uh, to come up with the mean lifetime of of different components in the tool? Yeah, this is the, this is the key. <laughs> this is the key part, really, and the more complicated one, because um, so but the methodology was basically first. Um, identify the components. Um, we need. We had to identify which components were expected to were expected to fail, um, or, <coughs> or or at least the key key component that we expect for each architecture to fail. And then uh, we did research, we research um, lifetimes uh, of those components uh, based on technology. For example. Um, Motors we uh, research uh, and, and and array technology also was uh, supporting with some information, but we we always try to keep it like we we make this decision and we of course listen to them, but it was a collaborative, but we always uh, stepping back as independent engineer to uh, cross check with documentation that you have studies. Uh, publication, manufacturing information, um, and also experience. Um, but um, it's very complex, to be honest, uh, because we had to do to come to figures representing mm, the representative uh, figures, indicative figures for what uh, 
what we expect to be delivered by um, industry-rated products, assuming, uh, as you can see in the methodology, we one of the, the there are many assumptions in the modeling, but one of them is uh, we are assuming that things work. So we we are assuming that a product is the product that we are assessing is <laughs> works. It's, this is not it's not faulty really, and that the design is also the is also following the good the good industry practice. So um, and we we um, make a decision on the on the figures based on 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 that supportive uh, uh, research and and experience. But the, there is of course some uncertainty, and and this is something that we we will have to do from now. So from now on, any evidence any uh, papers, any technical research, any aging test that is provided to us from someone is, or people publish, it would be good to feedback into this model and, and tune those uh, lifetime assumptions that we, we, we start with. Yeah, and that's great to hear that the, uh, the things like mean lifetime are dynamic in the, in the tool as well. And, and Rena's taking in um, changes, inputs to, to, to make the tool as, as accurate as possible at all times. Yeah, yeah the, the, the solar market is, um, doesn't have like 100 years experience for, 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 for us to know exactly how, how reliable is each of the components. In addition, there's a lot, there's a lot of dynamic changing the, the technologies. So we had to analyze other uh, sectors to, to feed uh, with figures and, and assumptions of li uh, lifetime. Because even, even manufacturers, they don't have sufficient time. We've been discussing with inverter manufacturers, with, with uh, module manufacturers, and they, they have, although they do uh, aging tests, you you need to to have like real real uh, construction uh, projects uh, for a wide period of time to know exactly or to have more reliable figures. But I think that the the figures that we came with are uh, reasonably uh, um, logic for for the technology that we that we analyzed. And but but of course, as I said, uh, we we are happy to review any technical paper showing additional um, information on, uh, to, to refine the numbers. Absolutely. So if, if you look at the criticality of having these types of tools in the industry's hands, certainly the customer's hands, the expectation, those life of the product being increasing to 35, 40, and who knows where that ultimately goes to, having a very firm hand when making a decision on what that expense is going to cost you over the lifetime is huge. Um, with PPA prices trending the way they are, with the getting to the call it root, root cost of products, getting as low as possible, it, it's never a time to have a 40-year asset with one of the operating costs in the industry. It's really going to hurt your overall return on investment of that particular product. And the longer that life goes, the more impactful one's going to feel that. And if they've chosen a product that has a lot of expense, a lot of maintenance, and a lot of downtime, over that asset. So this tool is, is, is huge in being able to paint that picture of when you make decisions on centralized, decentralized, and the various options they're in, to, to see in real time the impact of those decisions and, and be able to predict what your bottom line 
costs are going to be over that lifetime really helps that decision making process, not just for the EPC, but for the developer, for the owner, for the financier that's being called to task to you know, provide the financing for that. They can see that using their own independent experts, a tool that's, that's steeped in good industry knowledge and help guide their decision and, and guide it to one that uh, maximizes their return on investment. It's really big. Yeah, I agree. I agree with Lucas. Uh, really, during the first decade of, of PV solar, so most of the projects were constructed with subsidies or government support. So the, the, the initial projects, I remember in Italy, the cows construction, um, Spain, uh, were benefit of a very high tariff with a wide wide margins and very tight uh, timeline. So the t time was really the driver. When, when selecting EPCs and, uh, and components. Um, so th then subsidy were re reviews and, and apart from timelines, CAPEX started to, to command when selecting uh, an EPC and components. Um, and then thanks to experience cut and, and, and demand, EPC cost has dropped significantly and modules, inverters, um, monthly structure, and, and today, there's no need of subsidy really for a project to be profitable, so less pressure to meet the deadline and more need to optimize um, lifetime cost. Today, developers and owners and lenders do have more experience than when when solar PV started. And 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 what uh, Lucas is saying uh, is they st started to pay more attention to the design during the development phase. Um, for example, in auctions, auctions are typically driven by um, LCOE metric, for instance. So it, it, in the last couple of years, we have been providing LCOE design optimization services to clients, uh, tendering to auctions um, in, in countries uh, worldwide. So yeah, I think that the market is entering into a more mature stage where CAPEX, but also OPEX, especially, is uh, to be considered together more and more in detail during the, the development stage uh, when selecting components and, and EPCs. And, and, and this tool is a tool we'll have we, which help um, to, 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 to this in, in this process. Ideally, we should have to, to have like a one tool for inverters, one for, <laughs> for modules, one for trackers. And that's the ideal one. Uh, we normally all consultants they have like um, MRA tools to estimate uh, maintenance uh, reserve accounts for, for the project, which is more for lenders. But uh, and typically it's like a more high level uh, analysis. Um, but yeah, I think that we 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 will probably see more more uh, tools and, and assessment us this one in future well guys thank you so much for your expert insights on this topic and to get more info on this research project and the free analysis tool pv tracks by rena simply go to the rena website pv tracks that's t-r-a-x so p-v-t-r-a-x dot rena dot org pvtracks.rena.org. And for more info on how Array can help calculate the OPEX for your next project, stop by Array.com. That's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for joining us and look for upcoming episodes on the PV solar industry at Spotify and Apple Podcasts.